the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show as we head into this Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. 602-508-0960 is the number if you want to uh, call in any uh, any topic we talk about or anything you want us to talk about. Happy to do it and uh, love doing it with you. If you, uh, I, I meant to do this yesterday and, and just the two major stories of the January 6th hearing and the... Um, new CDC guidelines, crowded it out. But I did want to mention we say politics and culture, and then it's a bloody crossroads when they intersect. I wanted to talk about uh, Simon Biles withdrawing from uh, from uh, the Olympics. If you put in it, – it's let me start that sentence over. If you have watched that story for the last, what, 72 hours, you've seen it change. And I don't know if it'll change yet again, but it's changed about three times. At least the analysis of it has changed. I don't know that she's changed since she withdrew, but the analysis of it has changed. To now, now the issue being layoff her mental health. If you type in Biles, B-I-L-E-S is her name, and mental health, you get um, in less than a second 174 million hits. It's a layoff because of mental health. Please understand because of her mental health concerns. Take her mental health concerns seriously. You don't know what she's been through. Uh, the training was incredible. This is a lot to put on a 24-year-old. It is the weight of the world, as she said. Let's hear her in her own words, Bill. Would you mind? I say um, put mental health first because if you don't, then you're not going to enjoy your sport and you're not going to succeed as much as you want to. So it's okay sometimes to even sit out the big competitions to focus on yourself because it shows how strong of a competitor and person that you really are rather than just battle through it. No, um, no injury, thankfully. And that's why I took a step back because I didn't want to do something silly out there and get injured. So I thought it was best if these girls took over and did the rest of the job, which they absolutely did. They're Olympic silver medalists now, and they should be really proud of themselves for how well they did last minute having to go in. Um, and it's been really stressful, this Olympic Games, I think, just as a whole, um, not having an audience. There are a lot of different variables going into it. It's been a long week. It's been a long Olympic process. It's been a long year. Um, so just a lot of different variables, and I think we're just a little bit too stressed out. Um, but we should be out here having fun, and sometimes that's not the case. I just felt like it would be a little bit better to take a back seat, uh, work on my mindfulness, and I knew that the girls would do an absolutely great job, and I didn't want to risk the team a medal for uh, kind of my screw-ups because they've worked way too hard for that. So. I just decided that the, those girls need to go in and do the rest of the competition. You don't hear uh, uh, someone there that's in the grips of uh, 
in, in, in the grips of, uh, of a disease that prevents her from being articulate. You do not hear someone, and this can obviously be, you know, temporarily adjusted given the way mental health issues arise, given the way medicines can sometimes work. But you don't hear someone in that press conference in the grips of a breakdown. And we have seen athletes in grips of breakdowns, particularly after losses. Uh, you, 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 you do find, however, after all the criticism of her, I think much of it, frankly, warranted, the focus now is to defend her based on mental health. And one column, of course, has to inject race. You knew that was going to happen, didn't you? We'll get to that in a moment. But the mental health aspect defending her, that you know, we should take seriously what she has to say about mental health. We should give her a break because she has some mental health issues. Perhaps it was even more brave of her to come out the way she did than to compete and admit to the world that she had issues with her mental health. And I have to tell you, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it, not because of her and not from her. I'm not buying it from the media that is cramming this down our throats right now. I'm not buying it because for years and years we have been talking about mental health, particularly youth mental health. Throughout the entirety of last year, as early as March, I was writing columns with Dr. Bennett on the risks to the mental health of our youth given the policies that were being enacted and punishing them and harming them because of a disease that affected our elderly. Um, Eleanor McCants-Gatz was the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, a double doctor, a Ph.D. and an M.D., a psychiatrist and an epidemiologist and a psychologist. She gave a major speech on the mental health effects of keeping children out of school, and I read it verbatim with no editorial comments and YouTube banned it. This was the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, not for the state, but for the country. She gave that speech last April. Happy to read excerpts of it. But remarkably, one part of that speech she gave, she said, it's important to point out that pre-pandemic, we lose about 120,000 lives a year due to drug overdoses and suicide. How many more lives are we willing to sacrifice in the name of containing the virus? Well, we know the answer. It's not 17 more. Excuse me. It's not 17,000 more deaths because that's what we lost last year using this very math. To mental health problems if you put drug overdose and suicide together. The highest drug overdose rate in their history, high, high, highest overdose rate and number in the history of this country at 93,000 and something like on the order of another uh, 44,000 in suicides, deliberately suicides not to mention drug overdoses. That gets you 137,000. Eleanor McCants-Gantz was worried about 120,000 lives. Meantime, you have study after study showing the negative effects these diseases have on, excuse me, these disease mitigation efforts have on our children, including the study I have quoted before on this show of 25,000 school-aged children school-aged children 
who have revealed that they suffer from 24 distinct health issues associated with wearing masks, including increased headaches, difficulty concentrating, drowsiness or fatigue, malaise, and nearly a third of children experiencing more sleep issues than they had previously, and a 25% of the children developing, saying they're developing new fears. When you take children and yank them from their traditional daily routines of education and social activity and athletic life and after-school programs and after-school clubs and friendships, you are doing dramatic damage to that child. You are effectively doing to that child's emotional and mental health what whiplash would do to their spine because you are putting them through a psychological and emotional whiplash. Again, again, for a disease that will not harm them any more than a bad year of the flu for which we did none of this. That's taking them out of school. Now add masks. Add masks. Increased headaches, difficulty concentrating, drowsiness or fatigue, malaise, and nearly a third of the children with sleep issues and 25% saying they had new fears. The NEA and the AFT yesterday couldn't jump fast enough to support the CDC's guidelines that now say children, even vaccinated children over the age of 12, need to wear masks in schools, as do faculty, as do staff at every school. Don't tell me about the bile story and tell me you take mental health seriously. We have been pushing the mental health issue for years, and the children have been telling you. Do you remember the gun shooting at the school in, the STEM school in Denver two years ago? It was a tragic school shooting. And the students held a memorial rally for their fellow felon, fallen compatriot students. And guess who rushed in? Professional politicians to speak about the Second Amendment. What did the students do? They marched out. But they didn't march out quietly. They marched out in 2019, a year before COVID, chanting mental health, mental health, because they know that's the real issue, as I do. As if you, as you would know if you too are being honest. Don't give me this Simon Biles as the new face for it. We have 137,000 people that died last year with mental health issues. Given the dramatic lurches the society put them through, we should have understood why we were told. But the progressive left and YouTube censored us. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth, 602-508-0960 is the number if you care to join us. Bill is back. Welcome back, Bill. Hope you had a good day off. Did you do anything fun, exciting, remarkable, noteworthy? Movies, concerts, books, sports. You, you, you've banned yourself from watching professional sports. Do, will you watch, like, YouTubes or, or broadcasts of old games, some of these networks? You will? Yeah. 
Welcome back, and uh, let's start with Tom Thomas in Queen Creek. Hi, Thomas. Hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I'd like to point out, once again today, we see the hypocrisy of the left. Do we remember back in 2010 when Obamacare was getting passed? Nancy Pelosi said we have to pass it to be able to read what's in the bill. That's right. Today, when they asked her if she was going, if they were going to pass the Senate bill, uh, the infrastructure bill, she turned around and said, well, we have to read it before we can pass it. Yep. Well, which is it? Yeah. Do we pass it before we read it, or do we read it before we pass it? Right. Technically, you should be reading it before you pass it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so no. That's... It's, it's another piece of evidence that there is hypocrisy here on the left, but it's also worse because this is the, the infrastructure bill is literally a ram down of every little thing that they want to do, and it's not good for us at all. No, uh, that's right. And if you look at the bill, and I, I, I haven't looked at it in uh, in maybe a couple few weeks, but if you look at the bill, what, what's the price tag? Pushing a trillion dollars, right? Uh, I believe the final price tag on the Senate bill is $1.3 trillion. Okay, so it's gone up since I looked at it. Of course it has. $1.3, thank you, $1.3 trillion. As I remember reading the breakdowns, you could do infrastructure in the United States as we understand infrastructure as the definition of infrastructure, understands infrastructure, roads, ports, airports, buses, bus stations, if you want. You could do infrastructure highways. You could do infrastructure in this country for about $250 billion. See, and that's the, remember, the Republicans turned around and put forth one that was $500 yeah, billion. Yeah, there you go. So they were offering was, half. Oh. And, they, and it was strictly on infrastructure, roads, bridges, railroads, all that stuff. They didn't have all the green garbage in it and the the little pet projects that they wanted to do it was literally infrastructure so we're getting twice what the republicans were going to do which was literally infrastructure we're getting twice that into a bill Mm -hmm. that a we can't afford we literally cannot afford this b they're going to end up printing the money to pay for this which is going to make inflation go even yes it's going to spur even more inflation that's correct so really if if Gollum in the in the house was smart, she'd turn around and she'd tell him, "No, sorry, we're not passing this bill at all." But she's not smart; she's an ideologue. So they're going to ram that through the house. The house is the house will put their amendments on it, and either it goes back to the Senate for the Senate to pass it, or they're going to turn around and pass it, and they're just going to hand it off to, to Biden and go, "Just sign here, here, put that, put down your pudding, and sign right here." I don't think it goes much differently than that. He has not spoken persuasively on any of these things. If you're looking for leadership on the Democratic agenda, you don't go to Joe Biden. I don't think you even go to the vice president anymore. You're right. Uh, It's an odd thing where you have a Democratic president and then a Democratic House and Senate majority, but you go to the Speaker of the House for the leadership of the Democratic Party. Uh, it, this this is almost unheard of. I can't think of a precedent in recent history. Usually, you go to the president to inspire the nation. He can't. He doesn't. He can't no, he because doesn't. he doesn't. And what's right. worse is they no. they have the votes to pass it. They don't need Republicans. They have no. the votes to pass it. Right. Just pass the damn thing already. They won't do it because they're afraid of the repercussions that are going to come in twenty twenty two when people look at their look at their pocketbook and go, "Man, I don't even have enough to turn around and get the basics for my family because it's too friggin' expensive." But they don't want to do that. Because they don't want to be the ones, they don't want to be the last ones left holding the bag. And unfortunately, if the Republicans were smart, they'd be the last ones holding the bag. Let them take the blame for all of it. We turn around and we take it in 2022, we get rid of the infrastructure bill, 
and we look at Biden and go, the game is over. You know, it makes me want to ask, Thomas, a question I would like to be answered fairly. It's it's perhaps uh, a partisan intended question, but the answer can be objective. What has in the last seven months of the Biden presidency been improved by the Biden presidency? Nothing. By overturning everything the Trump presidency did when it Nothing. comes to me. You yeah, have, that's exactly you have, right. That's exactly you right. Have a, you have a flood at the border. You still have crime out of control in major cities. Nothing has changed since that man got in office. And the stuff you have more confusion on the issue of the day, which is the virus, much more confusion when they were saying that the president could not be trusted or believed. It's hard to know what the administration today believes. They have us going through whiplash on the various instructions and changes of mind. Well, quite frankly, I'm sick of the stupid. I'm sick of all the crap about COVID-19. Everybody said that it's so contagious. Last year, I was the only one that could go out and get my wife's drugs, pick up groceries and stuff like that because she can't do it. She physically cannot do it. So I'm out. I'm around. I put a mask on when I go into the store because I have to, but I didn't contract COVID. How the hell, seriously, how contagious is this disease? It's not airborne. So why the hell are we worried about it? Well, I think it is airborne in, 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 in the way as I understand it. It is transmitted uh, from person to person through the air That that is the, or close contact. But that, that's my understanding of it anyway. I'm no doctor. But the issue of contagious, it's a fair it's a fair question that no one has really put to the government. If you asked Joe Biden, I'm sure he'd just be able to maybe summon up his best porky pig and say, blah, 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 blah. that's all, folks. But what if someone were to ask Joe Biden the question, your official government estimates show that 10 percent of the American population, 11 percent of the American population has tested positive for COVID. Now, you're telling us it's everywhere. You're telling us it's highly transmissible. You're telling us we need to radically alter our lives over something that has affected 10 percent of the population. Now, that would be an interesting question to hear him answer, because behind that question, you and I know something else, Thomas. You and I know that that 10 or 11 percent number is very, very, very low. It's just the official number. We know it's low because we know more people have had it mostly asymptomatically than ever tested positive for it. How would they if they didn't know they had it, if they didn't know of an exposure? We also um, run into a problem when the progressive left is confronted with this, that fact because it's, 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 it's holding a wolf by the tail. They don't know whether to hold on or let go because what that means then is if 50, upwards of 50 percent of the population has had this disease – then that drives mortality rates way down, way down below the one-tenth of one percent we've been talking about, way down, way down. So they don't know what to do with this. They want to tell us it's an invisible, a highly infectious disease. I don't want to uh, say that it's, uh, it, it's not infectious. A lot of people will have various anecdotes. But neither do I want Joe Biden to get away with telling lies, and he is telling lies daily. His most recent one was, if you get the vaccine, you won't die from COVID. That's simply not true. And there's a thousand families at minimum that can testify to that. A thousand minimum that can testify to that. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back.
What year was this? Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I seem to recall hearing this somewhere circa 1985. We've been at this for 20. We, we thought we had this figured out 25 years ago. More on that a little bit later. Right now, our culture and economy update, 34 past the hour. Always brings us our dear friend John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website, his radio show, heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. The Word on Wealth. J.D., happy Wednesday. How are you, man? Same to you. Doing great. What's got your attention today? Well, I think uh, we saw the Fed uh, chairman speak today again, uh, which is pretty much more the same as what he said. Uh, but a couple of things I, I got out of this, which I think are positive for the economy. Number one is it seems to me, and I've heard this from a, a, another source as well, that the, the 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 recent COVID variant right now, even though they're saying that it's worse than the original, um, it does not seem that in in the eyes of the Fed that this is going to you know put some type of a, a stop to the recovery that we're seeing in in the uh, economy. So that's a positive. And then number two is they're they're staying the course on this. They're not making any changes to their Fed rates, Fed fund rates. And, you know, I know we talk about the Fed fund rate, Seth, uh, often, but what does that really mean? What is the Fed fund rate? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the interest rate that's set by the Federal Reserve. And it's an overnight uh, type of a loan that banks borrow money from the Fed overnight, and that's the interest rate that the Fed uh, would charge, which is a quarter of a percent basically at this point. And those changes to that Fed, Fed funds rate impact interest rates on just about everything, consumer loans, credit cards, bank accounts, and so forth. So it's important that the Fed keeps that money at a reasonable low cost so that banks can continue to transact business and keep the money flowing. And that's really what that's all about. I wonder too, well, a couple things. One of them I wondered about was based on a thought I had from a previous caller, John, is the Fed often looking at or expected to be looking at all the spending that's taking place by the federal government with the legislation, the most recent, of course, being the stimulus bill, but there's, you know, something like $6 trillion proposed in spending. Do they look at that as a concern on inflation when they uh, judge these policies uh, that they don't want to tinker around with things like these discount rates? Uh, yes, um, there's no question about that. In other they words, we're going to have an inflation problem, but so we might really, as well hold rates near zero. Yeah, they use they don't have as much, you know, I guess um, involvement in that than maybe as the uh, the Secretary of the Treasury. Sure, would. to be sure, to be sure, right? But I'm wondering if their observations sometimes. Well, may. I think absolutely that has to come into play in any of the monetary policy because yeah. whatever the the actual. Um, legislation that that happens or the policy that the administration sets, uh, the Fed's going to have to work around and try to uh, dance around some of those uh, issues in order to make sure that they can maintain a good, a good solid uh, plan moving forward for uh, for liquidity in the economy. It, it yes, I, because if they have one job to do, I mean they have a lot of jobs to do, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if they have one that affects everyone's life on a daily basis, it's to keep inflation in check. Isn't that a fair comment? Yes, and they're they're doing the best they can right, right now, and right. and they're still believing that even though we've got this you know initial pop of inflation, they're still believing that uh, this is going to be temporary or transitory, is the words that they use. 
and that it will begin to subside, and their goal is to be in that two pl- two plus percent, uh, you know, inflation rate, and eventually begin um, tightening up on the monetary policy. But they're still saying it's not going to happen until twenty twenty three at this point. Okay, because the other interesting thing we can spend more time on next time you're with us is, you know, it's interesting that the administration came out with all this spending, and I understand that. I suppose as a matter of politics and constituencies. But I sure would have thought they would have put tax increases right up front because they seem to be less popular given constituencies. But we can talk about that, too, next time you're with us, John. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting one-two punch, a lot of spending and a lot more in taxes, which haven't been really digested by the economy at this point. What's to come? What's being proposed? Right. It's being proposed. I mean, if things passed, of course, then all of a sudden, you know, maybe you'd start to really see some changes happen. But the other side of this, too, Seth, is that's why it's going to be more important, I think, for a lot of people to start really considering how in retirement or many years, you know, maybe 5, 10, 15 years from now, how are they going to be, you know, being taxed? What's the tax rate going to be then? You know, we're all saving money trying to defer as much of our savings as possible for retirement, but you're going to be taxed on that money at some point. You may want to look at some other uh, tax-free options using Roth uh, IRAs or Roth 401ks, and those are things we're talking with our clients about on a regular basis. You are the expert, absolutely. Thank you, J.D. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and CIPIC, and an investment advisor, Grant King and Plenty Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thanks, Seth. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. You know why I do this, right? I have a friend, Steve, who loves Bob Dylan. I can't understand Bob Dylan, so I have to put his lyrics in the mouth of someone who articulates. And boy, has anyone ever said, what was that Johnny Cash lyric? Johnny Cash doesn't do Mondegreen. Johnny Cash does not do Mondegreen. All right. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 Five zero eight zero nine six zero. I um I want to talk a little bit about the CDC today and what's coming. Uh, let me just put it in this headline with a double entendre attached to it. Be afraid, be very afraid. Be afraid, be very afraid is what the progressive left wants your state of being to be. Hence their crisis industrial complex. Be afraid, be very afraid. However has a second meaning as far as I'm concerned, and it's a message to you and to people who live particularly, particularly in red states whose economies are doing well. I want you to listen to Rachel Walensky, Dr. Walensky. She's the head of the CDC. This was her this morning. You know, I don't want to play the blame game here, but, uh, you know, for vaccinated people, you know, why is this happening to them. I mean, this is a situation created by the high numbers of people still unvaccinated in this country. Is that a fair statement? This is a situation that is created by more and more transmission of the Delta virus among people who are unvaccinated. This is not about who needs to take responsibility. That is that is not really why um, we put this guidance out. We put this guidance out because the science mm-hmm. demonstrates that if you are vaccinated, you could potentially give disease to someone else. And that was what was the motivation for this. Uh, and just last question, because I know they're doing it in Europe, but you're not CDC director of Europe, which I'm sure you're plenty happy about. But they, they're issuing health, health passes <laughs> Listen, there, right, where, you know, you can passes. go to a disco or a discotheque, as they like to call it there, if you have a, a health pass. Is that something 
that the CDC would ever lean into or perhaps advise here? You know, I think some communities are doing that, and, and that may mm. very well be, be a path forward. I do well want to sort of comment forward. that in some fully vaccinated uh, venues, um, if there are people, if they're unmasked and there are a few people who are transmitting there be- as a fully vaccinated person, it is possible to pick up disease in those settings. We've mm. seen that in some of our outbreak investigations this summer, which right. is why overall it's so very critical to just get the um, huge amount of disease in some of these areas down. Again, but the vaccinated people getting it by and large, they're not getting sick or ill. They're just you know, carrying the virus and can maybe then pass it on. The vaccination is the easiest, best, That's simply most not direct true. way. That's simply not true. Stay- the last count was seven, at least 7,000 people at least got ill with COVID symptoms after being vaccinated. And about 1,000 people have died with or from COVID, the way we count COVID deaths, having had both vaccines. That's called a breakthrough case. When Joe Biden said... You won't die if you get the vaccine. He was lying. And when he said this two months ago, he was lying as well. Bill, give me the Joe Biden on masks and vaccines. It's vaxxed or masked. Therefore, vaxxed or masked. if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Let me repeat. If you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. I'm just not going to stop playing that any more than I'm going to stop playing Anthony Fauci directly contradicting himself. How much time do I have in this segment left? Yeah, let me hear Anthony Fauci's uh, new montage, if you will. Pay special attention to the words here. Walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, there? Of course. And- you do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, You've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated. But in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. It's amazing. So even if you listen, keep going. It's amazing. You should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you don't have to wear a mask it's the same exact nouns and totally opposite instruction advice and analysis it's incredible it's incredible if you're inside you need to wear a mask if you're inside you don't need to wear a mask now you need to wear a mask again if you're inside and vaccinated if you're vaccinated you don't need to wear a mask now you need to wear a mask If you're vaccinated, you know, when Anthony Fauci first said a mask may make people feel a little better, but it doesn't stop the transmission of the virus. When he said that, just remember, this was long before the vaccine was underway. This was long before Operation Warp Speed. 
in fact, there was no vaccine on the horizon. In fact, Anthony Fauci, in a case of being wrong again at least three times, said there would be no vaccine able to be developed against the coronavirus in the year 2020. Wrong again. But remember, when he said you don't need masks, that was pre-vaccine. Think of the distance we've traveled when you go from no vaccine, no masks, to we now have a vaccine and you also must wear a mask again. And don't tell me, please, do not insult the nation's intelligence. Memory holes may work in novels, but we're smart enough not to be lied to and believe it. Please don't tell me the virus changed. People were talking about virants. Excuse me. People were talking about variants in March. People were worried about variants in April. There were all kinds of reports of the coronavirus having mutated. Some true, maybe. Some most not. But to say it wasn't on the radar screen, you cannot tell me that. So when the government keeps telling you things that are manifestly untrue and manifestly get reversed, dramatically so, to the point where we have now caused not only a virus to kill over half a million Americans, we have created the conditions where over 137,000 of them died from mental health issues and effects that we made worse. And that was just in one year. You do to the children what Randy Weingarten of the AFT is saying she wants to do to the children this upcoming school year, those numbers ain't going to go down. Those numbers are going to go up, up, up. The CDC recommends localities encourage universal indoor masking for all teachers, staff, students, and visitors to schools regardless of vaccination status. The agency announced this yesterday, reversing its own guidance from only 19 days before, only 19 days prior in the week in the wake of increased Delta variant fueled infections, hospitalizations and deaths. Quote, children should return to full time in person learning in the fall with proper prevention strategies that are in place. Matt Welch writes at Reason, those two statements are at serious tension. If the past is any guide, the latest ratcheting up of classroom infectiousness fear will encourage public schools to not open but close, particularly in the most restrictive districts, which has tended to be particularly Democratic leaning. When the CDC in February shocked epidemiologists by keeping its global outlier of a school social distancing recommendation at an average of six feet between humans, Multiple school boards in blue states responded by suspending plans to reopen. You will see in various discussions about this issue variations of the following argument. Hey, what's the cost of just a little more masking while we get this unknown Delta thing under control? We're not asking for much here, just a piece of cloth. But this accommodationism rests on a faith-based hunch, unsupported 
by available evidence that masking vaccinated people in schools will make a damn bit of difference in the spread of COVID-19. Consider this remarkable little paragraph published over at the health policy science site STAT. Quote, an administration official speaking on the condition of anonymity told STAT that health experts do not have studies proving that fully vaccinated people are transmitting the virus. Rather, rather, the updated guidance is based on studies showing that vaccinated people who contract the Delta variant have similarly high levels of virus in their airways, which suggested that they may be infectious to others. Maybe the government's infectious disease bureaucracy is asking vaccinated people in 46% of the country and in 100% of its schools to apply a facial prophylactic prophylactic to impede the transmission of something it does not know is being spread. The government's infectious disease bureaucracy is asking vaccinated people in almost half the country and 100% of its schools to apply face diapers to impede the transmission of something it does not know is being spread. I have a lot more to say about that. But if you think today's a good day to question the government, its veracity and its ability for truth-telling, you bet it is. And the left taught us how.